God, I never see any of this stuff. All right, can we get a clap? Oh, I'm so bad at this. I hate this part. It's really not that difficult. I know. I, w- I was very bad at sports as a child. Clapping was not a sport. <laughs> Clapping is what you did when you were on the sidelines and not involved in the sport. That's how bad I was at it. <laughs> um, Oh, we've implemented all the changes. Mm-hmm. More lighting. Okay, it's 10 o'clock. We're going to start at exactly 10 o'clock. Oh, no, that means we have to shoot the shit for... No, we don't. ...possibly one and a half minutes. Hey, everybody. The Carmudgeon Show is part of the... Haggerty Podcast Network. You said it. Correctly. I couldn't say it. I kept saying the Haggerty Podcast is part of the Carmudgeon Broadcasting Network or something. Or the Haggerty Haggerty Haggerty? The Haggerty ha- No, there's too many Haggertys there. Just one. One is fine. But we are once again sponsored by Pennzoil. Again, still. I don't know why after that last one. Well, they haven't seen the last one yet. That's why oh. it's still yeah. uh, in, in post. They seem like nice people. I don't, I don't know why. why Colorful. They, color, why would they be nice to us? I don't know. Because we, we could about. informate people about uh, their products. I think we need to informate ourselves first about oil. Yes. Because there's a lot of stuff about oil. We had a preliminary conversation and I was like, holy moly, this stuff is complicated. No wonder nobody knows fuck all about oil. Anyway. I believe you just cursed in the first minute of a of a Carmudgeon show. Was that the first one? Have we not yet? <laughs> You've cursed before, but no, no, no. In not, the, in this episode, yeah, that was the first one. Okay, okay. We yeah. should keep we should keep score on this. See, you know, see how many multiples of, of your cursing I can curse, and because I normally say terrible things, and it can just be a little graphic that displays. Mm-hmm. I noticed some people commenting on missing the bullshit button, which I was amused by. I forgot about the bullshit button. Yeah. I time. actually saw it the other day. I guess I could bring it, but you we should. didn't really use it much, but we could put it on the table for... I feel like the problem is that we used it a little bit too much at first, and then we're like, we can't keep hitting bullshit mm. constantly. Plus, with the mics mounted to the table, well, I guess I can smack the table. I, I can be more animated. I can punch things. Um, let me say, to, to start this, if I give you COVID, I'm sorry. I Doesn't think every episode start like this? I think it should. <laughs> you know, for a long time there, I spent a lot of time by myself in my office and then talked to you via remote thing. And then my mom just dug up a bunch of pictures of like of my grandmother and my aunt. And my, she was like, isn't this a sweet photo? And I'm like, that looks like a lot of people in the same airspace. <laughs> I realized I've gotten genuinely emotionally injured over yes. the last couple of years. The same thing has happened. Like you watch old movies and you're like, you're going to die. And then, you know, the joke is that the last time I saw you, we went on a rally, we recorded a couple of Carmudgeon episodes, and the day afterwards, I dropped with the Rona and didn't give it to you. Shocking. Which can only mean one thing. That I'm exceptionally vulnerable? No, you gave it to me. Oh. This is that, you know, very uncomfortable STD conversation when you're a whore. You're like, well, either you gave it to me or I gave it to you, but either way, we both need a shot. And uh, You need the the blame-free culture. No. Blaming is more fun. Yes. <laughs> Either way. As someone who hates everyone. As all people equally. Uh, as someone who doesn't hate everyone. I mean, I can't really be mean to my co-host on camera. I hate you like I hate everyone else, but I don't want to give you the Rona. So if I cough in your I'm direction. I'm honored. <laughs> I'm truly honored. Either way, thank God for vaccinations and science because, you know, here I am. Thoroughly little, not dead. Thoroughly not dead. A little nasally, mm-hmm. um, but otherwise, otherwise normal. And so... Um, we have a couple things I want to talk about this episode. I'm little gonna nasally, you sp- you bought a little nasally car. <sighs> you were going to bring that up anyway, weren't you? I was. Okay, that was a reasonable opportunity. <laughs> I thought so. God, you're such a bitch. Um, so yeah, so we have to. There was a show back in the day called Eight Is Enough, right? Wasn't it? Was it called Eight? I don't know. I don't watch this whole television thing. But I, what I realized is eight is enough, but ten is too many. Derek, I own ten cars. Oh, it's a problem. Sounds very difficult. I'm sorry. No, it really is. I, so something's going, without question. Um, but I did <clears throat> the day that I fell ill with with. Give me like a 1920s disease word that people say with with the typhoid. Um, okay, the day that I fell ill with typhoid, I accidentally also. It was a fever dream that became real. Or you caught the Rona from the vehicle. That's true. I got. I caught Corona from a Honda Beat. Yeah, so I bought a beat. Is that the title of this episode? <laughs> uh, I think I, I, in my mind it was 10 is too many. 10 cars is too many. Um, but yeah, no, I bought a beat. 
91 beat. It's white. It's got the zebra interior. I really didn't care about color. I just wanted zebra. And uh, white steel wheels with yellow stripes. They're, wow. Impressive Impressive mics. amounts of background noise picked up by the mic. That means we could sit. We probably could. Somewhat farther away. But then away. We, we sound hollow. Don't well, like I am room. hollow. <laughs> um, I'm just a shell of a human at 95. At 95 years old, yeah. Um, we can just make fun of Paolo for dropping things. Gravity very strong today, Paolo? Is that, uh, it's Monday. <laughs> it's Monday. Yeah, yeah gravity's peaking right now. Um, yes, somebody painted the wheels white with a yellow sort of... I think somebody tried to turn the car into a sunflower at some point because the rear bumper has some evidence that it at one point was also yellow. Really? Mm -hmm. So they were... Mm -hmm. So I feel like maybe... And the hood... Well, the hood used to be red. I found it sounds like a good car. It's a beater. It's a beater beat. Uh -huh. um, it, uh, you should harlequin it. Here's a, This is the... No. This is the problem with beats. Is that I've been looking for... I think it's eight years now that I decided... Eight years ago, I decided I want a Honda beat. And the, the problem was I would get close to buying one or I'd be looking at one and I would start to see all the flaws. And they're K cars. They were bought because they were inexpensive and they were street parked and just beat up in Japan. And so finding a really nice one is very difficult. So I'd find these ones that were billed to be really nice and they're, you know, 10, 12, 15,000 bucks. So, you know, a considerable investment, but not, not a lot of money for a classic car. Um, but then I would start finding all the flaws. And so I'd be like, go paint meter that. And I'd be talking to the importer or invariably or someone else and be like, paint meter it, look at this. And I start looking and I find surface rust and whatever. I then wind up realizing that the difference between a pile of crap beat and a Concor winning perfect beat, if there were such a thing, is like 6,000 bucks. Like, you know, 7,000 bucks buys you the world's worst beat. 15,000 buys How buys much you was yours? I'm not just going to discuss that. Somewhere in between the two. But seven grand buys you like a genuine pile of crap that's rusted. And 15 buys you a really nice one. And so what happens is I get down, I go down this road where I'm like, okay, well, it's got all these flaws. And so I'd rather spend 5,000 bucks more and get a perfect one. And then I start looking and everyone that's billed as perfect isn't. And I just get distracted. Oh, look, another E30, for example. For example, for hypothetically. <laughs> yes, theoretically. This case, it wound up being, I get a random text from a friend. Hey, you know anyone who's looking for a Honda Beat? Yeah, me. Why? Oh, turns out I knew the seller. We'd met a couple times. And it's local. So in my... So you could see all of the issues with your own two eyes instead of paying someone else to see them with their own two eyes. Here's the thing. Do you think I looked? Before I am, buying it? I went to go look at the car and I was just like, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm like, I like to, that I counsel positively people. reckless. So stupid. I mean, it's, I've, I thought, look, it's here. At least it had a fresh timing belt. Nine and a half years ago. He didn't know. So the <laughs> owner didn't know, but thanks to Google Translate, you can put, you know, aim your camera at stuff and it'll translate. Oh, yeah. So nine and a half years. So I have six more months before I have to do a belt. But the it's car. It's due every 10 years? 10 years. The car oh. came with a belt, uh, a belt kit on it with a water pump is it more than 10 years old the kit no no so the owner bought it this is the thing the owner's a nice guy but he did a $1,200 or $1,500 stereo in it and didn't do a belt mm, I, that's not a seller I would buy yeah the tires are also about 153 years old um so it's yeah. the, car, the car needs something but the thing is I I got in it I drove it it's presentable it's it drove really well it makes the stupidest noises. I love the noises of a three-cylinder. Yeah. No, we've now owned both three-cylinder vehicles. What did you have? Motorcycle. Oh, yeah, it doesn't count. Oh. Did yours have desmodromic valves? Was it? No, it, oh. um, it was an MV Augusta, not a, uh, a Ducati. Duc <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it, I love the way that three-cylinders sound uncorked. This is, so it's got an aftermarket exhaust on it, which means you only hear exhaust and not the intake and that car has mm. independent throttle bodies so mm. clearly i need to do an intake on it to match the exhaust come on i was thinking <clears throat> put the stock exhaust back on but you went the other way where the fuck am i gonna find oh, there's an f-bomb where the fuck second am i gonna find a stock exhaust for a beat not here exactly so i'll just keep it the way it is and i'll put a cannon in it and make it a little bit noisier um so right here i will have to so paulo sorry about this i will have to insert the sound of it accelerating i do a zero to top speed run i don't know if we should insert the whole thing 
I can talk over it. No, it's too long. <laughs> it takes 30 something seconds to get to 85 miles an hour. I, I literally, I drove a Fiat, an original Fiat Cinquecento on Saturday and I spent, I measured actually on Google Earth how the distance that I covered at full <laughs> throttle through first, second, third, and fourth gears. Um, it was about half a mile. Uh, and at the end of the half a mile, I was going 75 kilometers an hour. Oh, wow. So uh, yeah, that, that's literally full throttle for half a mile to reach 75 kilometers an hour. an hour. So it can't be worse than that. Which is how many miles? 40 something, 43 miles an hour? Uh, sure. 73 yeah. is a little more than that. Six times seven is 42. Yeah. Is that how you so, do these things? Yeah, multiply six times whatever it is and then sort of Divide by 10 and then add 2.14 <laughs> times whatever. It's about um, 45. Yeah. It was, it's not very fast. The beat is way faster than that and sounds really, really good. Way better too, yeah. It's, I mean, you know, it's quite an experience. Right-hand drive, you are, everyone is t- taking pictures of you on the street and laughing at you. Well, at least if they hit you, you won't get hurt. You'll be killed instantly. Yes, <laughs> you'll be killed instantly while they're looking at... Uh... I had a conversation about this over the weekend because I went to a Cars and Coffee and there were two Beats there. Uh, and then there was also an AutoZam AZ1. Red? Yes. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, you know you know whose, whose car that is. Rich. Um, and he might be, in fact, because it's a really nice Beat. Um, kidding. So White Beat, Red Beat, AutoZam AZ1, and then a Daihatsu fire truck, which plays... It's got like a speakerphone. Again, second insert. I guess I'll be putting a video of that in. Uh, pay, plays a recording. The, the of, Godzilla warning Godzilla sometimes. Warning. Yeah, yeah. It's a legendary sort of fixture in the Bay Area car community. It's the cutest thing. So I hopped in that and a friend of mine hopped in Nick, our, our buddy Nick Mercadante from 034, hopped in the beat and uh, he went for a drive around the parking lot and I chased him with the sirens <laughs> on and it was very funny. It was also very, very slow. Yes. Um, but I had boop, boop. You know, and so that's really a total combined displacement in excess, uh, almost 1.4 liters almost. combined yeah. One displacement three yeah. because they're both 660 cc caps. Yeah, the Honda's 656, I think. Um, anyway, fun. It's it's the most fun you can have for a couple thousand bucks. This car needs a little bit of, you know, mechanical. Zhuzhing. I need. I want wheels. I want the alloy wheels for it. Alloy wheels. But the the bigger issue is that I will at some point in the next couple of days, get all 10 cars together and I will lie on the ground in the middle of them. I don't think we're going to have an insert. Cause How I don't do you do that? <sighs> Logistically. I mean, six of them are at my warehouse, four at the house. So it takes a couple trips back and forth or I get a bunch of people and I just go the, do them all the, the warehouse. The Biat living outside? No. The currently, oh, it fits in your two-car garage with two other cars. All of my cars, too. But it is currently Beatrice's outside. So I have Beatrice at home. Oh, no. Yes. She's trust me she's fine outside um beatrice is outside the beats in the garage the uh rose gold the 91 e30 is in the garage also and then the rest of the cars are and the e-golf's outside and the rest of the cars are at the warehouse but i did okay let me ask you a question if you had to tell the world the one thing i hate more than anything else what is everyone you're correct what is the second thing that i hate the most more than anything else poor left lane etiquette you it's hate time. everyone and everything. Everyone and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I hate being wrong. Mm. Okay. So I did a little experiment. I, I did motor and transmission mounts on rose gold yesterday ah. in, in a COVID induced fever. That's uh, that was, that should be very substantial difference because the character of that car was, I what, what happened? Tell me. Well, okay. So you drove the car. This was, this is the 91 325i that I bought as a defensive move because I didn't want anyone else to have it, but I have no reason for it. And so now I probably need to sell it because I bought a beat, but, um, you know, sort of gradually going through and fixing everything. And one of the things was the car was slow and it vibrated horribly and the vibrated horribly was so bad that I thought it could only be a mechanical issue. Um, that is, that we're we're noticing that much more because it has full solid polyurethane mounts and an engine and transmission and diff um and poly engine mounts i just don't have any time for so i figured let me before i do anything else let me just figure out let me get let me figure out what this engine really sounds and feels like so i'll put stock mounts in it engine and tranny and then i'll go dyno it because it's slow um so i started it and it no longer vibrates once i put the uh, the, the, the mounts that have rubber that actually rubber themselves. And uh, and I hit the gas and it's fucking fast. No. Yes. No. Yes. 
we're going to do this again? No. Yes. Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, so the thing that I hate more than anything else is being wrong. I drove that car. You drove that car. My buddy Bill Arnold, who's a legend, drove it, and we all came to the same conclusion: slow. Something's wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with this car. It's a fucking monster. It no. Yes. We can do this again. Do it again. <laughs> no. <laughs> Or this boggles the mind. It is a matter of expectations versus reality. When the I think when the engine makes that much vibration that you can't see straight, you just expect it to be fast as shit. And it was you never dragged it with Beatrice. I never got a chance to to drag race it. I will. I mean, I'm, I'll probably dyno it just to make sure. But I mean, I pulled up. I'm going on my straight. Maybe there were anchors in the uh, motor mounts, mounts, and it was yeah. really really heavy. Yeah. Or I actually thought about this. I'm like, maybe, just maybe, there was so much vibration through the chassis that the barn door on the fuel, on the <laughs> fuel injection system was vibrating enough, causing a bad mixture because it is not slow. The car is healthy. It sounds amazing. It's got an aftermarket exhaust on it that doesn't Stromung. drone. Stromung. It's a good exhaust. Doesn't drone. Sounds great. The thing is smooth as silk and pulls all the way right into its glorious limiter. In this we did know. Yeah. But it felt on the way up, it was like it's straining to get to the limiter and eh, bah, 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 bah. nope, just that beautiful M20. Did you I, do the diff mounts too? I did not do the diff mount, um, but the diff mount is all the way in the back. It's fine. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. It's, it's, this so is now why the car is fully restored. Uh, perfect. Key. Right, yeah. Um, this is why E30 M3s feel so terribly slow, even though they're not really slower oh, than the in coarseness. It's coarse. It's, a, it's just amazing. So people will do an exhaust all the time and then say, oh, I gained 50 horsepower. And my rule is always dyno it because you just, your butt dyno can't tell what's going on. You're yeah, because so your easily, butt dyno is connected to all your other dynos. Yeah, your ear dynos and your, yeah. you know, your, your visual dynos. Um, and it's amazing. It's, I, I cannot believe that just replacing those mounts and making the engine smooth again made it feel like it gained 50 horsepower. So again, I will dyno I it. I really wish we had dragged them mm-hmm. But we still can. It's I guess, the same motor. Yeah. I mean, the mounts are definitely joking aside about the barn door, not changing the output of the engine. But we should drag race the two cars. But it feels every bit as quick as an M20 is supposed to be. And now Bill drove it, and he was like, well, it doesn't feel broken, but it just feels slow. And I'm like, well, slow like what? He's like, look, some M20s are just stronger than others. And this one just doesn't feel all that strong. But now it does to me. Like, I, You know, what I need to do is we'll, dra- we'll drag race yes for science for science of course i guess we're gonna have to do that as soon as we're done filming this episode or something because we're going to need an insert of that no 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 we can uh promise something in the future and then change the subject and potentially not deliver that was your weekend (laughs) (laughs) um less fruitful than yours yeah did i eat fruit you you, i mean our mounts made out of fruit m20 m20 fruits Mm -hmm. Uh, it was, well, that's exciting. It's really exciting. It's really, it's, it's surprising. Like I jokingly say, I hate to be wrong, but really I would have sworn this car was making 120 horsepower and now I would swear it's making 165. Hmm. So, I mean, the dyno will find out, but it's such a great lesson about like you make a mod to your car and just go dyno it. There's no... Yeah, everybody who's modifying cars all the time, I'm just like, can you not? I mean, you have to learn these lessons for yourself. Some people never learn them, I, I suppose, yeah. but the temptation to modify things becomes just so much less as time goes on for me. This that, that having been said, I have done a bunch of stuff. It, it's strategic modification. Right. You have to modify, like don't immediately throw the biggest possible wheel and the biggest possible dump on a car. Like that's, what you are we, 17? On, on cars. No, you're totally right. Totally right. Look, for, for engine stuff, I always just go right to the dyno. And that's how, you know, I've gotten from, 105 horsepower at the wheel to 145 horsepower at the wheel on the, on the Scirocco, for example. And they're probably dynoed this car 15 times because every time I make a mod, I look. And I'm not looking at just peak power. I'm looking at area under the curve. Um, and so now I have a car that used to do 0 to 60 in the 8s and now does 0 to 60 in the very low 6s, if not high 5s. Um, and it's faster all the time. And that didn't come from just saying, all right, I'm going to do nothing but put, put the most aggressive shricks in it. Because I would have gotten 145 or 150 wheel horsepower peak, but the car would be slow. Yes, because the window where that power amount of power is delivered is very narrow. And right. you're like, that's fine for a race car, but 
And it's also exciting. You get in one of those cars that are cam to filth and they, you know, they, they lope at idle and then they just pull, 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 pull limiter and you're like, oh my God, it's so fast. And then you line it up with a stock car and you realize it's actually slower than it used to be except for that little window from 6,200 to 7,500 RPM or something. And um, so, yeah, um, very hate, very much hate the fact that I was wrong about Rose Gold being slow. But, but science is, uh, you know, to return to our COVID discussion, science okay. is all right. Plus, the other thing is the vibrations that it made had me convinced that like one of the pistons was missing a skirt. Like I just really, it just was a terrible sound that that engine made. And I thought, oh, something's really wrong internally and that's what's going on. No, it sounds amazing. So weird. So I weird. can't wait to experience it. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. Yeah. You should just stop by my house on the way when we're out, out of here and go get a video of it so you can give inserts. See, the more inserts he has to do, the fewer I have to do. Or we could just not talk about things that require inserts. That's true. <laughs> that, doesn't, that never happens. But anyway, so the Beat. So 10 car. Have you you've driven a Honda Beat? No. Are you kidding? Am I kidding? I am not kidding. Have you driven any of the K cars? like any of the cool stuff no all right so there was this one period in time so k cars have been around for a long time right so for those who are not first in weird obscure japanese car culture stuff me included and regulations and regulations there is a uh, a class of cars called k kei um in japan and these are cars that are not subjected to the regular uh rigors of automotive engineering let's say i don't think they have to be crash tested. i'm not sure about this um but they they have size limitations and if they are crash tested it's against a marshmallow why would you why would you want to beat up a beat against a marshmallow <laughs> um no this i think it was 1960 salvage title from a collision with a marshmallow <laughs> i don't yeah that would that would, that's true but this this was 1960s i think is when the in the k car tax bracket came out that makes sense to me based on what i know about the subaru 360 and the honda the first honda sports cars right. but uh, and the idea was was a really smart idea that, that real estate's a premium, especially in the cities in, in Japan. Uh, and if you have a smaller car that's half the size of a regular car, you'd be able to fit twice as many cars on the road, thus alleviating traffic jams and parking situations. And I, I believe it's still Speaking the case of parking in Japan. Have we talked about this before about you can't buy a car in Japan unless somebody comes and measures the space where you're going to keep it, and make sure that it fits? Like that's wild. To that's me. amazing. That's very anti un-American. Which, I mean, as someone who currently owns 10 cars, I think maybe if someone would have come to measure my house, the, the authorities would have stopped me from doing this, which could be a good thing. Hmm. So Yeah, there's not a lot yeah. of like lawn parked cars. <laughs> but I mean, that's it's kind of smart. If you don't have anywhere to park the car, you shouldn't be able to buy it. That is kind of a you know good hmm. idea for functioning. Can you society. imagine how that would impact the enthusiast community in the United States? I mean, we all kind of have somewhere... I guess you find Everyone's somewhere. like, I've dug up under the sofa cushions a parking space. Does anybody want to? Oh, me, 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 me. As long as that counts. On the, on the group right. chat. Right. Uh, that's true. But the, so the idea was, if you have a small spot, you can buy a K car. And they are, they are, there's a big tax advantage to them. There's a road tax advantage. Um, and they're little and they're super adorable. Because little things are super adorable. Um, but the, there was a one period of time in the 90s where it seemed all the car manufacturers in Japan kind of all came to the same conclusion, which is let's have a little bit of fun rather than just making... In the K category. Right? So you wound up with the three sort of legends are the, the ABC cars, the, um, the Autos M AZ1, Honda Beat, and the Suzuki Cappuccino. Cappuccino. Uh, and they were all rear drive. The Cappuccino is front engine rear drive, but the other two are mid-engine rear drive. Um, and the Beat is a convertible designed by Pininfarina. Hmm. My father was, I sent a, a text of the uh, zebra interior of the... Uh, of the beat and he was quite offended and you know he's on what a, basis he just thought it was just over the top and stupid and i'm like wait a second you can blame the italians for this and he was like no way because my father's you know, this italian pride sufferer and uh and i'm like dad pininfarina no way so uh, um, he's probably right i'm guessing that pininfarina didn't do the zebra interior but i'm just gonna pretend that they did and not tell him because he won't want he won't listen to this podcast um but anyway, so you have these three cars, and I've always thought they were cool, and the Autos MAZ1 has going doors, and it doesn't get cooler than that. Um, and I've never driven, I'd only ever driven a Beat and wanted one. And the reason I want one is independent throttle body, 8,500 RPM, three-cylinder. That sounds like a 911. But, you know, redline third gear is... It sounds like an inline six to me. Oh, really? No, not to me. 
Really? That to me, it sounds just. You know, like I've never driven one. I've only ever heard it in video. Okay, you, you got to drive it because it sounds. It's the intake noise and the exhaust combined sound like sounds like a 911. And so you're at 8,500 RPM in third gear when you hit 60. So you get this run through the gears, just keeping off of traffic. And you, you normal driving, you're shifting at four or five thousand RPM, um, and you get all the acoustic experience of a 911 flat out with none of the speeding tickets. Hmm. Um, and so I'd never and superior parking and superior parking. How's the fuel economy? Apparently like 40 something combined. Hmm. I mean, you can't really use that much gas and only have 600 cc's. Even if you go to 8,000 on the regular. You have to go to 8,000. Yeah. I mean, merging on the freeway, you were definitely red line, like speed shifting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, which brings me to the AutoZam. Because there was a guy at Cars and Coffee who just gave me the keys to his AutoZam. And that's wild. So the beat, when you're in it, actually has a lot of room. Apparently, it's asymmetrical where the, the driver's side is is larger and wider than the passenger side, which makes sense because there's always a driver and um, not always a passenger. The AutoZam is cramped. So you pull the gull wing door down. You're like, oh, I'm in a little car. And starts up, idles like a three-cylinder, so a little bit of vibration. And then the boost hits. That is a 9,000 RPM turbocharged triple holy i guess shit. when you only have 656 cc's then you don't have the turbocharger size differential issue where you don't you where it only delivers boost certain rpms i mean i think it probably starts at three grand but three grand it was walking speed you know the how short these things are geared um i genuinely i said out loud holy shit when when, the, when i hit the gas in this thing because it's genuinely actually fast like it's not like rose gold slow it's actually fast. No, it's actually. I'm sure this well, is like, an, what is interestingly to, right perceived fastness. Perceived fast because it fucking moves, especially after look. The the K cars are limited to 660 cc's and they're also limited to 64 PS, so European sort of din horsepower. So 63 horsepower. That's all you get, and they're all 15, 1600 pounds, 1700 pounds. So they're not that light. They're, so they're all not fast. And my immediate thought is 63 horsepower. My ass. This is 120. Like it felt way closer to 120 horsepower than 60 um so i need to get is it modified i don't know mm. i have no idea i don't think so i was told it's just an autozam but genuinely quick mm. where i don't know if it's a good thing because my initial reaction was oh yes shit now i need an az1 and then i thought the best part about the beat is that it's so friggin' slow and sounds so ridiculous that you get to be full throttle everywhere and barely keep up with traffic whereas an az1 you'd be able to easily keep up with traffic and it doesn't make the intake noise it makes great turbo noises like mm. blow off noises and whooshes and interesting yeah you're gonna have to drive one of each of those okay and cappuccino and then i've never driven cappuccino so i've heard they're great too and mm. that's front engine rear drive the other two are mid engine so front engine rear drive means drifting oh drifto with 63 horsepower bullshit i mean if if and the suzuki's turbocharged also so i'm sus i suspect that's also way over 60 horsepower mm, interesting mm -hmm. fun okay. times well sounds like you had a better weekend well, i was you driving drove a cinquecento. Cinquecento, i had 11 super, horsepower which that thing would be massive compared to i mean just tall and towering compared to the k cars mm. um so apparently apparently japan and italy did the same thing at the same time well, that was just i mean italy every, well every, i guess all the european manufacturers started doing sort of shoe cars uh in the 50s and 60s well volkswagen actually that was a genuine automobile compared to like a cinquecento minis are really little too and all from that same era 59 didn't we race that cinquecento versus against the defender diesel defender yes <laughs> it was la carrera de las tortugas the race <laughs> yes. of the turtles uh, i think we have video footage of that you'll be able to pull that up i definitely have that and uh <laughs> it was very very just anticlimactic it was a long race and i don't think we ever hit the speed limit yeah <laughs> after half a mile of racing on public i uh, drove that defender to san francisco once the diesel defender and there's what that vehicle does is it identifies places where there are hills where, that you did not know existed because flat out on the highway, that thing was like 70 miles an hour. And if they're on level ground... It did that... It went that fast? If you gave it enough time, it would take several miles. If you had flat ground, it would get 70. Um, but if you... Heaven forbid, if there's a hill, then it's just like, okay, flat out. And then you have to downshift, still flat out. And the thing smoked some... I mean, it was just... What a <laughs> so awesome. wild experience. And it's like, oh yeah, these are six figures. Huh? Okay. But there's, some, there's an anti-road rage 
I, yes. I have a feeling we're going to now graduate into what was our, supposed to be our next episode, which is the diesel episode. Because oh, yes. there's there's an anti-road rage quality about driving a, a really slow diesel. Or anything really slow, but yeah, especially the, the diesels. It's because the amount of smoke correlates to throttle position. <laughs> it's uh, Somebody pisses you off, just downshift. Yeah. I mean, or just pin the pin the pedal. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, I don't see them anymore. I can't be angry at them if I can't see them in, through the cloud of smoke. That, that was always a joke. So when I was in college and lived in South Florida, my my buddy Mike used to have all these old 240Ds and 200Ds and 300Ds and 300D turbos and old diesel Mercedes. And what, what are you going to do? Somebody cuts you off and you have, you're you really pissed off because you're at your previous V max. Right, 60 and now miles an hour. it's going to take you considerable minutes to reachieve that So speed. you're so mad. I'm like, now it's going to take me three miles to get back to 62 from 59. And then you realize, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to get out and run? do anything, yeah. You, what are you going to run after them on the highway? Because that'll be faster than driving a fucking 240D. <laughs> Chase after them and smack them? No, you're just going to sit back down with your foot on the floor and say... Yep. Life is too short. What can you do? What are you going to do? And you catch them eventually, and then you pass them, and you downshift in the third over of the engine under full throttle, smoke them out. And, and everything is even in the universe. Exactly. <laughs> Rolling cold. It's like driving old trucks, too, or like that sort of low power. Well, it depends what it is, actually. Shockingly, I drove a six-cylinder gas-powered 1966 Ford F-150, and it, I was shocked by how snappy it was. I was like, this thing is Work. genuinely swift. Um, was it like swift in gear for a second and then redlined at 3500 or something so it was one of those lump of torque and then yeah it was i mean it's not a real revy motor but Mm -hmm. it just it kept up with traffic in a way that i was really surprised about because like my mom had a range Rover classic when i was a kid and that thing it was like at 70 miles an hour you felt like sort of it was going to start shedding panels Mm -hmm. uh i mean it was reasonable especially compared to a diesel land rover which is in a completely different league I mean, that, that land, diesel Land Rover genuinely felt like 0 to 60. And I mean, if it tops out at 70, 0 to 60 is like 30, 45 seconds. Yeah. Like, which is not what they're rated at. I, I, that, I think there might have been something up with that. It might have been a little bit sickly in an effort to get it to be U.S. legal, which obviously was working because of the amount of particulate matter that it was emitting. <laughs> um, so, yes, you were talking about Mercedes diesels. Well, but the, it's fun, well, in trucks for a second, my dad, growing up, my dad had a Toyota Land Cruiser, an 83 Land Cruiser with the four-speed manual and that 4.2. No, 4.2. 4.2 back then. 4.2, 4, 4.3. 4.2, 30cc. I think 4.2. Uh, straight six. Rev to like all of 4,000. that like a Chevy motor knockoff, I've heard? No. That was a ripoff of a Chevy motor. Oh, from apparently. the 1950s or something? Yeah, yeah. like old days. Yep. That's what um, I've heard anyway. I, th- I think vaguely now remember, I haven't thought about this truck in years. It was brown. It was cool. Of course. We brought it to 1983. Germany. We brought it to Germany with us when we moved, and that was a slight mistake because it was no fun in the Autobahn. But, I mean, I remember my mom just, you know, she had a Saab 900 Turbo and then a Peugeot 505 STX with the V6. So she was like a lunatic at the wheel. And anytime she drove the truck, she'd be like, just foot on the floor, just bored. And I'll never forget once she hit 75 miles an hour, and it was a big thing. We're down this big hill, and we're like, hey, kid, look, hold on. Wait, hold on wait, what to do? We hit 75, and right when we hit 75, we all sort of rejoicing, and we hit some sort of swell or pothole or something. It went fucking airborne. And I think that was the last time she tried to <laughs> max that thing out down a hill. Um, but what I do like is slow cars, like cars that are horribly underpowered that are matched to good chassis. So the trucks are one thing. Oh, so you never have to slow down. So like Mercedes stuff, like that's that's what's so charming about 240Ds and 300, even 300D turbos, which are still My slow. 116 is like that. Because it's That's really, gas though, right? yeah, but it's underpowered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you get going and it'll go 140 kilometers an hour, like really happily with like no effort. And it's a balanced inline six that's twin cam. So it makes nice noises and it's very, I mean, you can tell the chassis was also shared with something that could go, you know, 140 miles an hour. Yeah, 6.9. <laughs> yeah. And so like once you're at speed, it's actually very, very good. But it just it, getting there is something of a exercise and patience but it's a nice thing to have so i mean there you have on one side you have this, a slow car that just sucks right that, that defender wasn't going it was it was fun because it was so hilarious the right slow. amount of power for the chassis for the chassis which was no but i really love cars that have no power and great chassis because then you're just miatas miatas are great like the na on like an na miata on good tires I mean, on that's why spec miata racing is so entertaining mm-hmm. because you can't slow down because it'll immediately highlight any error that you made very much like karting you know, when you cart, you get the, the, the gas-powered carts especially. You know, get a little bit of a slide, and it cuts off, you know, half your speed, and it takes forever to build that back up. It just makes you a better driver. Mm-hmm. Um, while we're on the subject of diesels, 
Uh, I once had a 300D turbo wagon mm. that started but didn't run. What? How is that possible? <laughs> I've been waiting to tell you the story since I thought about it weeks ago. Um, so you can in theory have a car that didn't start so i'm an idiot i was it was like 20 below zero and i was at chicago for the auto show and i went to a friend's shop and there this was this beautifully horribly disgustingly ugly rust holy white 123 300d turbo wagon and it hadn't been started in a year or two i was told Mm. um (laughs) and i bought it for 100 bucks and i thought it was a hundred dollar diesel it'd be fun i was living in michigan like i needed some sort of need i I enjoyed the idea of some sort of shitbox beater that I could just, you know, drift around in the snow. And, you know, what could be better than a 120 horsepower rear wheel drive diesel wagon? And so we towed it back using our GMC Acadia long-term car, if I remember <laughs> correctly, just got a U-Haul trailer and brought it back. <clears throat> and it's a diesel. It cranked, it had compression. Look, it didn't want to start, but like what could possibly go wrong? So we dragged it a couple times to try to get it to start. Didn't work, which is weird. That is a described procedure for starting automatic transmission. You can bump start automatic Mercedes. Mercedes in the for like the in the seventies. Yeah, is that true also of the one twenty threes? Yeah, you can bump start. Yeah, the idea is if you're going more quickly enough. Apparently, and do not quote me on any of this, all of you, because this is twenty years ago. The the transmission pump is on the output side of the transmission, meaning so long as the wheels are spinning at a certain speed, the pump will spin up quickly enough to actually engage a gear. That's what I. I could have made that up. There's a procedure that is described in the owner's manuals of like yep. the 70s, like S classes mm-hmm. that explain to do that. And then there's some like sort of miscellaneous warning about like, don't Dying. fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, what happens is I think you have to go, if I remember correctly, we were pulling it like 20 something miles yeah, an hour. Yeah, I think it's kind of fast. Right. At 20 something miles an hour. If you then throw it in, uh, if you're in drive already, the pump will spool up and will engage a gear. Um, the problem that I had was it was locking the rear wheels. So it engaged the gear and didn't have enough traction to actually spin the motor over and we couldn't get it to start. Uh, so Was it snowy? It, of course. It was like February in Chicago. So we just dragged the goddamn thing back. And I couldn't get the thing to start. First thing I did was buy a battery at the Mercedes dealer. And the batteries were approximately the size of this yeah, table. Yeah, because it has a compression ratio of 4,000 to 1. Yes. <laughs> and so I remember like looking at the oil and it was just black sludge. So I changed the oil and then I put all new glow plugs in it, which is the first thing you need to do on any Mercedes. And they all worked. So I had five glow plugs working and I, you know, I, I pulled the fuel line. I turned it, cranked it, and the thing had fuel flow. So I'm like, oh, this will start. No problem. Uh, I think I cranked through about 30 batteries. I mean, <laughs> 30 battery charges. And let the glow plugs warm up again. And Nothing. Not even a puff of smoke or the you know a single fire, nothing. This drove me crazy. And forever I couldn't figure it out. Checked timing, checked everything. Everything was totally fine. And diesels are pretty simple devices, right? You have compression. And fuel. You're, and fuel, you're going to have. Did you check the compression? Yeah. Everything was totally fine. So I think I waited until about May. So I think it was about three months. It was parked in front of my coworker's house. And he was finally like, get that fucking thing out of here. Because I had a garage, a driveway that was like really steep. And we couldn't get the car in. So it was a warm day. And I'm like, aha, it's a warm day. It will start. So I go over there with a jumper, pa- a jumper pack and a fully charged 100-pound battery. And it just cranked and cranked and cranked and cranked. And finally, I, I kept dumping them. It's got a fuel filter. And I dumped out all the sludge and whatever. And I have this puddle of diesel fuel on the ground and i'm like oh i'm so stupid let me just try to light the fuel see if i can see if this fuel has like so much water in it it won't burn and you didn't replace the fuel you left unknown vintage i'm just gonna just gonna sink down diminish (laughs) i think i just broke my ankle on this chair yeah no i stupidly left the fuel in there because i had been told that the car had had run run in a year As it turns out, it, it was, won't run on water. Well, there wasn't. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck was in the tank, but it definitely wasn't fuel because it. I couldn't light it on fire. And a diesel is not like gasoline; it's not going to explode. But you will. You can burn it like a gas lamp, like you know a lamp. So I wicked it up a, a a piece of string and I lit it on fire. I had a, a flamethrower. I couldn't get this stuff to light. I'm like, no wonder the car won't start. I should so also say at this point I now graduated to starting fluid because I'm like I will get this. Does that work on a diesel? Of course, just gets it running. So I would you know spray it and 
crank and crank and crank and genuinely nothing. Like This is so weird. So finally, I'm like, I pull out the fuel line. I go to the gas station and I get five gallons of diesel and I pull the fuel fuel pump in, in inlet hose into right the, into the into gallon. The, I'm like, I'm going to start this thing on fresh diesel and it's going to run. It started. It didn't run. What does that mean? So if you can imagine the a gallon or so of starting fuel in the intake <laughs> plus <coughs> plus now real fuel so it cranked maybe five or six comp- compression strokes and then started and revved to probably forty-eight thousand rpm <laughs> it was the most spectacular failure i've ever seen it was like and is this from the starting fluid <laughs> enveloped the entire neighborhood in so much smoke that i couldn't see the neighbor's house and just it took off i mean you know diesels once they start you're not shutting it down so i immediately pulled the pulled the fuel supply but it lasted maybe three seconds until it made a little bit of a rattling noise at screaming rpm and then died and it was really funny because the amount of shit that flew out of the radiator <laughs> like that fan that like it probably revved to five or six thousand rpm so the fan was at full speed bird's nest shit went everywhere i mean literally completely engulfed the entire house in soot and shit from the from the cooling system that was blown out and then had no compression ever again huh so i probably why that happened hmm. so starting fluid so starting fluid is the issue so it started okay so but didn't run the that was my instinct was that starting fluid seems excessively volatile for use in a diesel i mean it really does help on cold mornings you know, like a spray. Right, not like a... Two, three, four cans, probably. But, the, I mean, the thing is, it. I was trying for months. I just don't know how long that starting fluid... Yeah, it's pretty volatile. It should evaporate off, Yeah, actually. but that day I used at least a can. I mean, the thing, the thing is, if you have compression, this is my point, if you have compression you, and starting fluid, you have compression and fuel, the fucking thing is going to start. You didn't have fuel. I did. Well, I had the fuel was the starting fluid. And then there was a fire extinguisher, which was the, the quote unquote diesel that was in the tank that stopped anything from lighting on fire. I mean, I could light a leaf on fire and put a drop of that so-called diesel on it and it would put it out. I mean, it just couldn't burn. So, yeah. So I once had a car that started. but Starting fluid is super sketchy stuff, generally speaking. I, I mean. That's, don't know that I let's see. Can I tell any of the stories that I have related to starting fluid? I don't think that statute of limitations issues. I just general like irresponsibility about like client cars. It's not something oh. we do at ECME because our cars are also new that we never need to use starting fluid. But you also have a mechanics I, like mechanica built in. Which also, is like a whole team of mechanics. Hey, true. this thing doesn't start. Someone else takes care of it. Who doesn't take? a gallon of starting fluid and blow up a diesel we've just set a fair number of things on fire with starting fluid mm. in the, like old, old carbureted cars and like yeah entire air boxes and you know like yelling like slam the throttle open because then it mm-hmm. sucks the fire back into the engine mm. like that's a good trick when you <laughs> when you set set the outside of the engine or like the air cleaner on fire with, when you're using starting fluid it's counterintuitive but you actually open the throttle all the way and it, if you're lucky it'll suck all the flames into the engine holy shit anyway uh, that's that sounds like a really good thing to know when you're trying to start someone's million dollar car yes yeah oh so anyway God. especially on a row of six webers um is that so, what happened in the mirror no i've never used starting fluid on the mirror that thing doesn't need any help that catching on fire right. <laughs> does it by itself <laughs> um self-immolating it's really yeah. a fully featured vehicle Years ago, I had a, when I lived in Pennsylvania, my neighbor, my neighbor's kid, probably 16 years old, had a diesel rabbit. And this poor kid, no one in the neighborhood talked to them. They were like the, the people on the, in the street. There were seven houses on the street and everyone knew each other and they were just jerks to everyone. So no one ever talked to them. And I was instructed when I moved there, please don't speak to them. But every morning when the, when it was cold outside, I'd hear and this kid would be outside and it'd be like freezing cold. His, everyone would have gone. So, you know, his parents weren't home or whatever. And he would just crank this poor thing until it started. And if I heard it, I would go outside with a jumper box, put the jumper box on it. And they had it, as everyone always did on those cars, just a little pinhole drilled into the airbox, And you just with starting fluid so he would start it that way every morning with just a little spray of starting fluid and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't so with my jumper pack on it and me spraying while he was cranking it it would just 
and come to life. And then I would nod and take my jumper box. We did this probably 40, 50 times over a couple of years, over you know the six years I lived there, just help him out. He would say, thanks. I'd say, you're welcome. And that was it. It's all we ever spoke to each other. So apparently diesel starting fluid is a thing with diesels. I just don't. Maybe in uh, sort of sparing use. Yeah, sparing yeah. use. Is that the only diesel car you've owned? I mean, when I when I was in college, I flipped a lot of uh, diesel. So I just kind of bought a lot of 300Ds. 123s were cheap, and this was before the internet. So people didn't know what they were worth. So you could just be like, I'll give you 500 bucks for it, and then go flip it and sell it for 5,000 or 3,500 bucks or whatever. It's a ton of diesels. But the that white wagon that blew up was the, was the only one that I sort of owned as an adult, and I was really looking forward to it. And it wasn't mm. what about you uh one which was uh bmw 335d mm. a good amazing. diesel was it though i really liked driving it i loved driving that car um i went through all this ever i was like i'm okay i have to buy a boring commuter car because i have a commute that's a lot of miles let me get something that's like economical on fuel and maybe halfway entertaining uh so i bought a 335d uh and i was like okay this car comes in a bunch of different configurations just kidding it comes in one configuration automatic <laughs> <Right>. sedan <laughs> um but you can get sport pack or not sport pack and then they also offered in 2011 only the m sport pack uh which uh, i can't even be bothered to articulate it bumpers and wheels and shit like that that m sport has uh, and I was like, Suspension oh, it's available too? in, I don't, I don't know. It's available in Le Mans Blue. Uh, and I was like, great, I love blue cars, I'll get Le Mans Blue. And I found one with a brown interior. So very unusual configuration that I went through all this effort to get. I really like the car. I mean, the thing about it to note is that it has, the torque peak is at 1750 RPM. Mm-hmm. Uh, and its peak torque is 425 foot-pounds torque, which is 130 more than the E90 M3. Mm-hmm at peak mm-hmm. <laughs> uh so it was really fun in a lot of ways um those cars are known for having the the carbon buildup problem uh which my car had and that's why i asked if it was good i mean so i went on the launch of that car so they, the bmw did a soft launch i think we're in europe for something else and they're like oh by the way you can drive this 335d through the alps and it was this huge drive it was amazing uh the car was dynamically as as good as any other e90 which was say excellent um, and they were fast. Yes. It was genuinely That was the quick. thing about it that was I really enjoyed is that it was generally like just fast. It was funny that they did that because I always thought, I understand why BMW did that. They they went with the biggest, baddest motor that, that was basically done for the X5. It was federalized mm-hmm. for, the, for the X5. And they really should have done a really fuel-efficient little four-cylinder for the 3 Series. Um, well, you will note that the generation afterwards, is that's exactly what they did. That was the plan. That was the plan was to introduce diesels to the U.S. market in the BMW way, which is, you know, ultimate driving machine. Yeah. Uh, and then once people got used to it, they put the four-cylinder diesels. And you can get a diesel wagon. A friend of, friend of mine has a diesel. Yeah, 328D. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's inside of an F30 body, so that sucks. Yeah, that's but F31 because it's wagon. Sorry. Yeah, it still I sucks. can't be bothered to yeah. learn all this stuff. Once they gave a different number to each body, I'm like, that's stupid. What, well, E91? E91 would have yeah, been what, I know. E92? Oh, I know. I, I, hate, I don't like that. It's like... <laughs> In my day, we had one chassis code. Yeah. You go, you, if maybe a slash is allowed, like the E36 uh then slash seven slash seven or slash eight like okay fine but um yeah so so the problem that they had in the u.s is that everybody was driving around in the city in these things and never revving them and so the car egr the exhaust gas recirculation runs basically all the time because the motor's never getting worked and so everyone's the the way to get those motors to run properly either is to put it in a heavier vehicle like the x5 and then at least it has more weight to carry around uh or you, if you have a 335D, then you just have to get on the highway and like drive it around everywhere at 130 miles an hour. Uh, Which you did. And still had the sludge buildup problem, though, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I bought it from the original owner. He had leased it new, and then he bought the lease out because he liked it so much, and I bought it from him. So I don't know what happened to it for the first 50,000 miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, it had the, the service engine soon light is the thing that you see there, and you're just like, no. Uh, so I took it to the dealer. Um, and they were like, yeah, it's got the carbon buildup problem. We took the head off. And I was like, you what? And I was like, without asking. And they're like, it has a warranty. And I was like, a what? A who? A I, I was like, I've never owned a car with a warranty. A warranty? And so they were like, yeah, it'll be 50 bucks. And I was like, wait, so you took the head off and replaced the like swirl valves and 
uh, walnut shell beating, uh, blasting on the, the carbon that's all built up in there. So anyway, it was 50 bucks, which was great. That was like the one thing that has ever happened to me automotively that wasn't like a just complete thousands of dollars. Yeah. Financial debacle. Why 50 bucks? Was that the, the deductible? There's a deductible, I guess, against the certified pre-owned warranty or the, whatever. Yeah, That's CPO amazing. warranty. So yeah, that was her. I really liked driving the car. But at the end of the day, I sold it because I just couldn't be another human walking away from a three series. You started to say a word that starts with a D. We say another dick in a BMW. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know why you're douche. your side. Douche. Prick. Douche nozzle. And the, do- the douche nozzle is clogged on those diesels. That's the problem. Yeah. I think we're at a point in the automotive world where, where like cars are, I sound like an old man, so yet again. But they're getting better and better and better. And then you get the weirdest fucking issues. Like, you know, oh, I bought a diesel that gums up all the time. Or every single direct injected gas engine car right now with walnut shell. You should not have to pull the intake off and blast the I mean, whole thing. Yeah, clear. we're at the outer limit. I mean, this is all the result of like emissions requirements effectively, which is a worthwhile cause. But there's totally. a level of complexity here that did not previously exist. And right. It's, I was having this conversation yesterday with someone about Ferraris, and I was like, I fucking hate 355s, like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, just give buy a 246. Like, buy a 246 Dino. It's carbureted. Nothing, like, goes wrong. There's no timing belts. There's no, like, car decomposing, like, plastic trim, sticky shit. Just, there's... Ugh. Sorry, I hate 355s. I, that era for... I know everybody is just losing it over those cars right now, but given what the experiences of how they drive and what it's like to own one, I just... It's a waste of time and money. They've broken a lot of hearts, those cars. And wallets. And yeah, wallets. and people are like, I love this thing, it's so great, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, fine. If you have need to create a mental construct for your mind that allows you to not be okay with owning such a shit heap, then fine. <laughs> More power to you. <laughs> At least they're going up in value. Strong words. I just, I, 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 when people are not able to be objective... I'm never objective. Fuck. <laughs> about how shitty the Ferrari they own is. There, now I fixed the statement. When they're not able to be objective about how shitty the Ferrari they own is, I'm just like, you poor... I mean, we spent 50 minutes discussing beets and diesels, and now I feel like that the 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 clickbaity headline of this episode needs to be, Hyphen thinks the F-355 is a shit pile. The 550 also. Really? Yeah. Have you seen a 50,000 mile 550 and seen what the car's condition looks like? Like if the black carpets turn green Mm -hmm. when they fade and the dashboard shrivels up and all the plastic breaks and the gaskets around the headlights and like it just the car is decomposing. Like you compare that to like an R129 with 50,000 miles and the thing looks like. Oh, here we go. Okay. Or snob. Or like any or any Japanese car, honestly. Let's be real. A 50,000 mile Camry. Okay. My beat is 60,000 miles on it. You should go look at the plastics in that. Well, hmm. Okay. Okay. K car. But you know, look, what is that a real car or is that a roller skate? How very dare you insult roller skates like that? Why would you do such a, no, I mean, the joke is that I'm, I'm just allowing you to dig yourself deeper in, but I'm also not disagreeing. Yes. So I know. Hence go forth. 355 is, um, we should do an episode on that. It's an automotive disappointment. God, that's fucking strong words. Yeah. You're not wrong. Most of the... Oh, oh you are so getting the finger over. <laughs> he loves the 355. Yeah, the guy who dropped the pen over there, who's, you know... He's a 355. He's a 355. He's, go figure. Go figure. Did you buy one? Did you they're buy... Two, they're two... God, they used to be, like, free. They used to be, like, 60... They were, like... They were the IC. Please you can't afford another... $200,000 cards. One sold for 300 last week. Oh, uh, what? A GTS. Yeah. 300000 what? U.S. Lira? dollars. No. Get the fuck out. Yeah. I am And it totally has out. more than 20,000 miles. One owner, GTS, GTSs are the most valuable. I don't know okay. why. Holy There's a whole bunch shit. of shit about that. I mean, it's because it's the car that Femke Janssen drove in uh, GoldenEye, I suppose. I the never, same configuration. I've never the, seen a Bond movie. Any? No, no, which is annoying. I'm writing a script right now on the Toyota 2000 GT. You have to, oh my Anthony God. Anthony is like, have. you have to talk about the Bond thing. And I'm like, fuck the Bond thing. What Bond things? Over there? And look up. Did yeah. you watch the movie? It's no. outrageous how much uh, conventions. This is like that quote from Car and Driver from 1965 about if the Pontiac GTO were a, a, a woman, it would, I mean like, wow, the 1960s were a very different time. Anyway, you, 
You should watch. I, I watched the scene with the 2000 GT. Okay, good. That's I was like, okay, there it is. It's sped up footage of a car driving without with a no roof, roof on it. Because yeah. Sean Connery was too tall to fit it. That's common lore. Although the, the one book that I read said it wasn't actually for, because Connery was too, too tall, even though that car is a pain in the ass to get in and out of. Uh, it was because the director, producer, producer decided or said it needed to be convertible because that way they could better see the expressions of the actors in the car mm. for lighting and filming. I believe that. But either way. Um, Were we uh, supposed to talk three, more about diesels? Yeah, we did. Okay. But what's more to say? done yes oh, that was an om617 for no, sure no that was a four cylinder the five uh, cylinder is more of a low they're very good at that god my next door neighbor when i was a child had a, exactly that car and that's like you would always know when they were leaving i love that sound i anytime i'm sitting like at a cafe or something one of the one of the good things about the last two years is that san francisco has now put outside seating for all restaurants so anytime in the city i'm just all i'm constantly yeah. car spotting but you here in uh, 617 617 and that there's something about that five-cylinder diesel lope that is just home for me mm -hmm. i just i want to kind of cuddle up and listen to that it's funny last night i was shopping for cars in europe the 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 good one that you want i've talked about this before is this the 606 that's a 24 valve motor mm. which we got in the u.s in naturally aspirated form in the 1995 only 95 only available spring of 94 according to the brochure which i have um as a 95 model year that's yeah. what the little fine print says um and then we got it in naturally aspirated form in the 210 in 96 and 97 uh, and then we got it in turbocharged form in 98 and 99 only and that motor so i so after the galenda no, sorry after the defender diesel experience i was like oh god and then shortly thereafter i drove a, a galenda wagon with the 617 turbocharged in it and i was like god this thing's gonna just absolutely suck and it actually absolutely rips the I, 617's strong 606 oh 606 turbocharged 606 okay. um turbo yeah yes because the na one i'm gonna have to one, dig up another uh, yes is another one of those like you know use a sundial to measure the zero to 60 time i think so i'm gonna have to dig up another answer today would have been my best friend's 48th birthday and he's passed away but when he died uh, he he left behind a uh, large fleet of cars that i had to liberally with. distributed yeah 20 i think 29 cars i don't even remember what the total number is because it's just it was so absurd but one of them was a white 95 e3 uh, a300 diesel and i i know i have somewhere i'll have to dig it up now a I've video of that thing i use i would like to use the term accelerating but <laughs> it might actually be slower than the beat um it was really but not slower I, than the cinquecento or the defender nothing is slower than the. those are cars that you genuinely have to look at the speedometer to confirm that you're accelerating because you have no somatic like body <laughs> sense of exchanging speed so that you you look at the speedometer to be like are we in fact accelerating and you're like well, oh yeah the thing the cinquecento made so much noise i mean I, that thing is so adorable but it is also it's very quick from zero to three yeah Zero to three. Very short gearing. At the place that I used to work, we had a warehouse, and um, we had one of those, and we were able, because it's geared so short, we were able to get into third gear inside the building <laughs> between the door and the place where we were parking it across did, the warehouse. One of the first videos I did at ECME was oh, uh, that's I right. an intro. I think it was the intro, like, what is an ECME is what, yes. what I called it. Uh, but I slid into the frame uh, with in, the, in that same Cinquecento. Mm -hmm. And it was fun because I could get to redline in first, within a car length yes <laughs> basically it was like 12 feet from zero to red line and first and then jack the e-brake and spin it into frame and i think we did 700 takes of that and then realized afterwards francesco easy owner came over and he's like you know those tires are like 36 years old right <laughs> <laughs> and they were um rock hard that was no they, they, they were, were dust, dust. Yeah. yeah they were turning into dust and i just remember that was what the apparently there it had four new tires Yes, the car were, was on them when I drove it uh, the day before yesterday. Yes, yeah, so that was when, when Francesco saw what I had done <laughs> inside the building, which would have gone on his corporate insurance, uh, that enormous claim and fireball. Uh, I think that was the impetus to finally put the small fireball. I filled very, the fuel tank on um, two gallons yes, no, the day really? before yesterday. Yeah. I don't know. How, I mean, the, the car said it was empty, but when after I filled it, it also said it was slightly over half. So the gauge is... A suggestion. Are we going to have to now look up what the fuel capacity of a Cinquecento is? I don't know. The fuel tank is about the size of a watermelon. That's a couple liters. Yeah. So anyway, I put two gallons in it and then it was full. 
Um, Why did you drive it this weekend? Just for fun? Because I felt like having a laugh. You should have come to this Cars and Coffee because you could have towered over all the K cars. I mean, 11 horsepower. If I had left on Saturday, I still wouldn't have arrived. Oh, come on. It's not that far. By, by the way, that was a Haggerty thing. I didn't even know this, but it was a Haggerty slash Vault. Vault is a local San Francisco I don't even know car club thing. They just put on events. I don't know what what their motivation is or the business model is, but hey, you want to get really cool locations like a raceway and have a big parking lot full of stupid idiots and K cars doing chases and fire trucks. I'm there. Um, (laughs) But Haggerty sponsored the event. I got (coughs) an email from a friend like, hey, uh, Haggerty Drivers Club sponsors this thing. Why didn't I get an invite? I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't get an invite either. Um, but, you just invite but yourself. You should have gotten an invite, and you should have been there in something stupid and slow, like diesels or cinquecentos. Yeah, they uh, cinquecento. I don't. I would not feel safe bringing it on any bridge or really? highway. It's too slow. I mean, like if it's flat out at seventy kilometers an hour, there's, gotta, there's always a seconds. side road. I mean, the bridge is the problem. Yeah, you have to time it. To, like I, I have, have to, to go be on in bicycle bicycle traffic. Lane. Bicycle lane. <laughs> I can't. I can only leave for work between nine and ten because that's when travel. Eight and nine when that's when traffic is going slow enough that I can keep up with it. Yeah, holy shit! I have yeah. no desire to spend any more than I don't know three miles. So we're saying that thing. there is such a thing as a limit to the slow car, the slow car fast thing. The slow car slow. Yeah, slow car slow. When it's slow car slow, no matter what. I mean, the difference between one hundred percent and fifty percent is no difference in pace. Yeah. But if you can a lot get out with effort, yeah. yeah, then it's uh, it's too slow. I will say, I don't remember laughing quite as hard as we did during that race. Yes. I mean, that was yes. genuinely fucking stupid. But I think you have to have, have a short duration interaction. That's the thing I was thinking about. I was like, wow, my face hurts from smiling, but I also know if I was actually trying to go anywhere, this would rapidly turn into me not smiling anymore. Yeah. It'd be more like, oh, we're going to die. I can't die. believe you drove that Defender on the highway. I mean, it was yeah. funny. It was, it was all fun and games on surface streets where you're trying to hit the speed limit and can't. Yes. But, uh, but on the highway, yeah. Hmm. Not ideal. Yeah, I will say after commuting to that car show in the beat, I'm not sure that I w- really want to be on an interstate again. 7,000 RPM is 60-something miles an hour, 68 maybe. In top gear? In top gear, yeah. Um, so I think theoretical 8,700, 86 or 87 is the limiter. That is right at like 103 miles an hour. So do the math back from there. But it, it's limited to uh, 85-ish, somewhere, 135K, I think it is. Um, and it's you're at 7,800 or something. You're screaming. It's just, it's a very different thing to just look down and see 7,000 RPM continually. And you're like, well, hold on. Did I warm it up? Does it have oil in it? Did I do any sort of pre-purchase inspection? No, I didn't. And the timing belt is... Uh, Nine and a half, still within spec. That's amazing that they put a 10-year spec on those. Are you trying to guilt me into doing a timing belt sooner rather than later? I haven't done it in the Ferrari yet. Yeah, and it's well outside of spec. I was told the whole ten, the five-year Ferrari thing is BS, and I think I'm at seven and a half years. So maybe now. It was, yeah, November of 2014. So yeah, seven and a half years. So it's time to do it this year. That, I'm doing that math right, right? You do that math thing, right? Yeah, that's okay. that <laughs> math should be correct because think. 21 is seven years, seven because yeah. those are multiples of seven. And then another half year, okay. seven and a half. Seven and a half years. Impressive. So seven and a half years on those two belts. But you can see them on that car. I can look at their And they're healthy and the car gets used. And it's lived in an environment that isn't too harsh. Not used enough. That's the problem with having... That's weird. Background noise. Sorry about that. That's my cable. Um, Ten cars. Yeah, ten cars is too many. Meanwhile, I've got it optimized at six. You're up to six? That include the half of the Miata? Yes. So it's five and a half or six and a half? Well, it includes half a Miura. Half a Miura, half a Miata. Okay. That's so one whole car. That's one car. And then there are cars that others. start with the letter M-I. Um, <laughs> so you need a Mirage. You need a... It's oh, God, a mir- I can't wait for... Yeah, speaking of three cylinders. Okay. All right. That's, that's next. It. Then I'll have... Mirage. Then and a Toyota be. Mirai. Oh, no. And uh, Mitsubishi something. Something else. Anything Mitsubishi. Yeah. Uh, what is the Mitsubishi you would like... Most like to own? VR4. Evo 9. Evo 9. Mm-hmm. Those Galant VR4. Never driven one. But have sounds I. cool in theory. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, all right. So we are now departing. Okay. Um, you going to like, you're going to Europe or something. You're doing something cool. Yes. Lord willing and the creek don't rise. And, uh, and I guess I have to drive. COVID after this. Yeah, after the, exactly. Um, but okay, I have to drive Rose Gold and the Beat. That's, that's my homework. You have homework. Okay. I'm just going to give you my alarm code and the, and the keys to my house and just go go take everything around the block. All right, perfect. Ta. 
Ciao. Are we supposed to say something else about Pennzoil? We just did. And about Haggerty Podcast Network? We just did that too. Mm. Are we going to be back next week? Yeah. That was funny. Actually, you were reading comments about the, from YouTube. People are like, hold on, wait, so soon? <laughs> yeah. So we have trained people to expect at best a quarterly episode. And then now that they come out once a week, people are like, why? it's breaking my brain i have a problem with this once a week thing because once we promise we have to deliver on it so for the record even though we're we're trying to do one one every week there could be an occasion where you know somebody gets covid for example don't do it it's no fun okay i'll add that to my list of things not to do perfect does that mean we're done yes (laughs) okay